0: Well, hello out there in the streaming man. How we all doing tonight? Welcome to the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Of course, I am your host, co-host of the MCU Bleeding Edge, Mr. Cybernetic Shark. We also got Mr. Jeff Sloboda here with us tonight, Mr. True, uh, also known as True Knowledge. Uh, we, of course, have an amazing panel tonight. We have uh, guesting for the first time uh, with me hosting... Uh, and on the bleeding edge tonight is Cam from the GNN Network. We want to welcome you, Cam. Thank you for uh, joining us.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And of course, we have returning from the podcast of champions, Mr. Taylor. want to thank you once again for coming and joining us for this next review in our Infinity Saga. Mr. Taylor, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Always nice to be here. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. And then, of course, we also have returning Loki's mom, which we're very happy to have such a wonderfully distinguished guest on our panel, uh, given her knowledge and we want to welcome you, too. How are you doing, Loki's mom?
3: I'm doing fantastic and ready to talk about the dark world.
0: Awesome. Your- awesome. Very nice. Thank you. And we're very happy to have you with us, too. So to kind of start us off, of course, we're going to give you kind of a refresher course of Thor The Dark World since it came out in 2013. Uh, So Jeff, if you have those trailers ready, we are ready for them, sir.
1: Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing,
3: they're wrong, there was darkness and it has survived.
0: Right.
1: I trust you. If you did, you'd be the fool I always took you for. Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing.
3: They're wrong. There was darkness. And it has survived. What's gonna happen? I gave you my word. I would return for you. You face an enemy known only to a few, known only to
1: one. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. If we do nothing, they will destroy us. You even
3: think about betraying him?
2: And I'll kill you. That was from
1: New York.
3: I like her. Thor, your bravery
1: will not ease your pain. Your
3: family, your world will be extinguished. We're running out of time.
2: The very fabric of reality will be torn apart.
3: Find a way to save us all. All
2: yours.
0: All right. Awesome. So welcome back, people, from those awesome trailers. I mean, honestly, let's talk about these trailers for just a few seconds here. Honestly, when I first when these first came out in 2013, I was literally just like, oh, my God, this looks so freaking good. This looks like it's going to be an amazing movie. It looks like it's going to have lots of great action. And I just like the direction that the trailers took us in. Now, I saw both those trailers. I remember seeing both of them back in 2013. And I remember thinking that, you know, that the the rock creature there at the very end of this last trailer, I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy is so cool looking. And then, like, Thor just breaks him in one punch. And I was like, holy crap, that's really quick. And I know a lot of people had a huge issue with that in, in, uh, as part of the film. Like, that was one of the criticisms I remember seeing in the reviews and stuff like that. That, you know, that creature was destroyed so quickly. Uh, but just to kind of set things off as to what were your thoughts when you first saw that trailer? Uh, let's start with Loki's mom.
3: Okay. Well, I have to be perfectly honest. I don't remember seeing them. I mean, I may have just in passing as you see them on TV and whatnot. Um, I did not really get into the whole series until after it had got going pretty good. Um, I had seen some of the other movies and then I kind of had to go back and backtrack and, and catch up with some of the other ones. So in fairness, I can't really comment. on. I, I can just say that um, pretty much what you see in the trailers is what I saw in the movie. I, you mentioned the the rock monster. That, I thought that was just hilarious. I, it didn't bother me at all that he was like, it was kind of reminding me of the Indiana Jones where he pulls out the the guy's with the sword swinging it around. He just pulls his gun out and shoots him. And it says, so, okay, let's get this over with. And so I, I got to get kicked out of it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. How about you, Cam? Did you see these trailers back then? And what were your thoughts on the trailers? What, how did it make you feel?
1: Uh, to be honest, uh, no, I hadn't seen the trailers back then. I actually didn't start getting into the MCU until I think uh, I think it was like 2015, actually. Um, Captain America: The Winter Soldier was actually the first MCU movie that I ever watched, and uh, that's what kickstarted my eventual obsession with the franchise. But um, so, so uh, these are actually the first times that I've seen these trailers, and so and so I'm I'm looking at it a bit more retrospectively. I'm I'm kind of uh, uh, comparing the trailer that I'm watching now to the movie that I saw, and uh, it's it's kind of, it's it's kind of funny. The trailers kind of convey a different. Uh, direction for the movie than what we actually got because what watching those trailers you think that you're going to get something you know uh, a lot darker a lot more uh, a lot lot more heavy on the on the more uh, mature and darker themes but then you watch the actual movie and you know any actual serious moment that comes along it eventually kind of gets played off as a joke and um, so so it's it's interesting to see the contrast between the tone of the trailers as compared to the tone of the movie
0: Nice, nice. Uh, I would I would say that is very, very correct in that, yeah, sometimes trailers tend to do that. They are way different than what the movie actually ends up playing out. And uh, I definitely saw, there was definitely when I saw those trailers versus going to see it in theaters back in November of 2013, I remember thinking, oh, there's a lot more to this than I thought there was going to be. So I totally get that. Uh, how about you, Taylor? What were your thoughts on those trailers? I
2: was super excited by both those trailers. I of course I had already seen all of the previous MCU movies we were just coming out of the Avengers, which is, you know, greatest superhero movie of all time. And I was very pumped to see more. And those trailers both looked looked awesome to me. So I was I was very happy with the trailers and real excited to see
0: the movie. Nice, nice. How about you, Jeff?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I want to say that I probably was in the same position as like um, not not in the same spot as cam um, or um, or Loki's mom I, I didn't see the trailers before I saw the dark world um I had seen them before watching them just now and I would have to say that I would agree with cam that um, I didn't see dark world in, in theaters I saw it on um, on DVD. I believe um, I, I didn't see it in theater. So I just want to put that out there too, that I didn't. Um, and I feel like based off the trailers, you do get kind of a different image of what you're going to get out of the film than what you end up actually getting. Like, um, and the whole thing with the rock monster is very anticlimactic. I mean, it's this really cool looking rock monster. And then he's just like destroyed instantly, you know, so you don't really get to much out of him, Like, you know, as a character. So, uh, you know, I, I wish they would have done that a little bit differently. But, yeah, I, like I said, I would have to agree with Cam. I think that they kind of gave us this impression that it was going to have this dark tinge to it. You know, the dark world. You know what I mean? Like, um, but they basically do almost every, every time they do try to, like, you know, get serious about anything during the film. It, it just ends up with, like, some one-off joke by the end of it. You know, like, even, like, really, like, perilous stuff that's how they handle it so um you know i think when it comes to trailers when it comes to mcu trailers i think you know um i think a lot of times they're pretty they're pretty spot on but with these ones i feel like they did kind of give off more of an impression than the than the film actually delivered
0: yep yep that i mean that, that is very true in a lot of films i feel um a lot of times, trailers are very deceiving. Like uh, when it comes to a couple uh, trailers that came out, I think within the last five years or so, uh, I definitely think that there are scenes that we'll see in the trailer and then they end up not actually in the film. And I feel that a lot of times people are like, "Oh my god, that's deceiving to me." You know, why isn't this in the film and stuff like that? So I can definitely see that happening. Uh, and I do agree, Loki's mom, that yeah, I I think that. Of the dark world, there is very dark tones to this film, especially around the Dark Alps. The Dark Elf area, like they got that black and red color hue going along with their ships and just their presence, and I feel that's a very dark tone to me. So that to me senses dark world. I don't necessarily think when it says dark world, it's referring to you know meaning that it has everything has to be super dark and like evil and suppressing. It basically they're saying is that. Dark World can mean many different things, such as tones or colors, making it look like it's a dark world. So I think that's kind of what the title really is referencing from what I've read and what I've seen from the director. So to to move us on, so this film actually ends up being directed by a man named Alan Taylor. He is known for directing episodes of such shows as like uh, Six Feet Down, uh, Deadwood, stuff like that. And he ends up actually, he actually ended up directing one of the newer uh, Terminator films, Terminator Genesis, actually. Uh, So if you didn't know that, he also directed that, which was considered another epic failure of a film, which I think it was a really decent film. Uh, But if you didn't know this, Thor is actually was created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and a gentleman that goes by the name of Larry Lieber. I did not know that until I researched that, but they all three were who created the Thor character. Uh, but when it comes to Thor The Dark World, which it came out in November of 2013, this film, I think, is just a really fantastic film. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I remember going and seeing it in the theaters and just enjoying it, thinking it was fun. thought it was exactly what I wanted from an MCU film, and I just thought it was a really fun film. I, I know a lot of people disagree, saying that this is one of the worst MCU films I just don't see that. I definitely feel there's other films that are worse than this one. Uh, But so basically the movie starts out Odin. It's an overture of Odin talking about the Dark Alps and the Dark Alps are trying to basically take over the nine realms by the convergence. And so Odin's previous ancestors are, you know, basically go down and fight the Dark Alps and they have this giant battle basically. And, you know, to stop the Dark Alps, and they get the ether from them before they can use it to take over the world, basically. So then it goes to present day, and we this is the first time we get to see Loki again. He's being judged, of course, you know, by Odin, and he's talking to Frigga after he's been captured after the events of Avengers. And uh, is, you know, basically being, you know, put into a cell, basically, for the rest of his life. And so... As that's going on, you know, Thor is off with Lady Sith and all his companions by uh, trying to outdo or, you know, fix all the things that Loki caused by causing what happened in Avengers. And that's when we come to that rock creature, which I think is kind of a great foreshadowing of when we're going to get to see Korg later down in Thor Ragnarok. And kind of, you know, seeing another rock creature that's of that same race. And, you know, even though it wasn't super climactic, it was really fast, really you know, quick. I was thinking the same thing when I saw it in the theatres. Like, oh, I was like expecting more out of that fight than just that. But I think that end quip by Thor himself saying anybody else was super funny, and I thought that worked really well there together. Uh, so with your your with that scene going on, that giant battle where they're trying to fix things going on from something that Loki created chaos with. When you first get to see all of you know Thor's companions and what they're doing. What was your initial thoughts of that scene? Did you enjoy it? Did you think it was a good beginning scene or did you think that it didn't work out at all? Uh starting with uh you, Jeff.
4: Um well, I felt like it was kind of generic. Like um it wasn't really like all that uh impactful of of an opening scene like um I felt like it was you know, again, just kind of, um, just kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say bland. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but it's just kind of like a contrived opening scene. That's very like, you know, typical almost like there was nothing really exemplary about it to me. Um, and I, it, I felt like it, 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 it set, like you know, an interesting tone. Um, it it was a it was a, a, this the, the concept of having the film start like that with um with you know sit the the warrior three and um and four and everything being out there you know fighting and everything with the Asgardian soldiers and whatnot I like the theme of it and the idea of it I guess it's just that the way that it came off was almost a little bit too lighthearted for me
0: okay okay awesome awesome How about you Loki's mom?
3: Um well we have to remember it begins with the prologue um much like the original thor where there's some exposition to get us get us up to speed to what's going to start and the background with Malachith, and this was 5000 years ago and it was actually not even Odin was even around it was it was Bor the the was the all father then so it gives us a sense of how long they've waited for this convergence to come back around and then um, and it goes pretty fast, and and you know doesn't linger. And then it jumps into Thor having to run or not having to run, but he's trying to clean up the mess of not having you know with the, the Rainbow Bridge was down, and they couldn't they couldn't get to the other realms to clean up the crime and everything that was going on. I kind of got that, but I think uh, Jeff's right. It's just it just didn't have that oomph that it needed after that really good prologue and what else they could have done at that point. I don't know, but yeah, I do think it lacks that. I will agree.
0: Okay. How about you, Cam?
1: Uh, As, as far as an opener goes, uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was bad. Um, I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, Thor, the dark world is not my, you know, least favorite MCU film by any means, Uh, but it's, I feel like um, as, a, as a whole, I feel, like, I feel like the film doesn't take a whole lot of chances with its storytelling. But uh, as far as the, uh, the, the, the opening battle itself, uh, the, I, uh, I enjoyed the concept or the context behind it more than the actual scene itself, if, if that makes any sense. You know, because, uh, you know, uh, story wise, you know, like 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 y'all have said, the uh, the, the Bifrost was down. And so that, that caused a whole bunch of issues. And so they they're, they're constantly having to go back and forth between the worlds to kind of rectify those issues. I like that. I like that idea. Uh, just an execution. I didn't feel like they kind of stuck that landing. Uh, that, um, there was some uh, some sloppy editing in there. The, the, the scene itself didn't uh, it, like uh, like Loki's mom said, the scene itself didn't quite have that, you know, really good impact to, to really uh uh make me feel like the movie itself had a lot more to offer which it does obviously but uh uh just speaking w- in terms of that scene alone i just didn't quite feel it
0: gotcha thank you how about you taylor
1: i thought it was good i thought uh, the prologue
2: was excellent with um, anthony hopkins telling the story and i think anthony hopkins was wonderful throughout throughout this movie he did a, a great job absolutely um again i thought the prologue por- part served its purpose very well it was visually i thought it was pretty pretty stunning actually and it told us everything we needed to know about malekith and the dark elves and the fact that they needed the convergence uh, to come back and that um why no one had seen them in 5000 years and that odin even thought they were they were dead how, how they tricked tricked the odin and or boar at the time, and made their escape and hit hit somewhere. And then it goes to uh, setting the stage for for the situation uh, that we're in today. Uh, Loki's in jail. Uh, Thor and his his soldiers and his friends are bringing peace and stability back to the nine realms, uh, and they've just about completed it. And uh, I, I, again, I thought it was all effective as far as the battle scene, as far as that, you know, that goes, you know, it was short, but, you know, there was only so much time in the movie. There's a whole lot more story to tell. And again, this was just to set the, set the stage, establish the current situation in the world or in the, in the, in the nine realms, I guess. Um, and I thought it was effective at doing that. It was some, some good action. You saw the, the, everybody fighting. So a little bit of humor there when he destroyed that rock monster and I didn't have any problem. Any problem with that at all? So overall, I, I thought it did a good job of setting the stage for the uh, for the first act.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I would agree. I think it. I think it's a decent opening. I think it was very uh, entertaining, and uh, I definitely think that it set the tone. Uh, I thought it set the tone very well. I thought it, you know, set the tone for really what you're going to get from this film. There's going to be comedy. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be action. You know, there's going to be these things. And I like that they took that route with this film. I like that they made it a little bit more comical than the first film. Uh, I always feel comedy always makes things better. I enjoy comedy and things. I because I like to laugh when I see a movie because I want to be happy feeling. I want to feel that joy, and that's what I feel. the The jokes in this film, that's what it does. So, kind of moving on. So, like once again, we have of course Chris Hemsworth returning as Thor. We have Natalie Portman. We have, uh, you know, Kat Dennings playing Darcy. We have Stellan Skazgard coming back as, you know, uh, Doctor. Uh, we, of course, have new two new people coming in as bad guys in this film. Of course, Christopher Eccleston as Malekith. And then, of course, Adewale. Uh, I always forget. I can't ever pronounce his last name. But Adewale he plays, of course, Curse, who is the dark elf that becomes the cursed. Uh, that is also in the film, too, that has a pretty big portion of the film. Uh, and I really like that character. I thought that was a really cool concept that bringing this, you know, with these dark elves, bring this crazy kind of like nonstoppable, you know, type of dark elf that is like super big and is like basically unstoppable, kind of like the Hulk and stuff like that. I just really liked that character. And, you know, like Taylor mentioned, I loved how Odin gave us this whole story at the beginning of the film, too, as well. Uh, but continuing on, so once we, you know, have that battle happen and the rock monster is taken care of, then we go back to Asgard uh, where Thor returns and he talks to Odin, of course, and, you know, says, you know, uh, you're ready to take over. You fix pretty much everything Loki, you know, broke. Uh, and, you know, Thor is, you know, very conflicted because of Jane and he wants to, you know, be with Jane. And so they, they kind of have like a celebration scene. You know, when he returns to Asgard for a little bit there, and then he, you know, when he goes to look for Jane, he can't find her. So that's when he decides he's going to return to Earth. But before we do that, we kind of get an introduction again to Jane. She's out on a date with Chris O'Dowd, and Darcy pops up and, you know, says that there's, like, these weird phenomenons going on with their equipment and stuff like that. And so she goes and follows and then finds out that Darcy now has an intern who's played by Jonathan Howard. And so they go and they find this place in London. They're over in England somewhere. I'm, I can't. I don't know if it's London exactly, but I know it's supposed to be over in England. And uh, thank you. And uh, they end up coming across this weird phenomenon going over in this certain place there. And there's these kids that are you know throwing objects and it's they're coming back and stuff like that and disappearing and stuff like this. And so Jane goes and is like you know her Darcy and the intern all go and check this out all of a sudden jane disappears at one point during this you know rendezvous that's going on there and she ends up going missing for several hours and then that time is when she comes in contact with the ether aka the reality stone and so all of a sudden we see her you know basically the reality stone goes into her and all of a sudden she pops back up and it's been several hours later and Darcy's all frazzled and stuff like, where did you go and all this kind of stuff? And then that's when Thor finally pops up again on Earth. So that scene where all of a sudden the rain's going and then all of a sudden it stops. And, you know, before it pans to showing Thor is standing over there, what were your initial thoughts of when all of a sudden that rain stopped? Were you thinking Thor was going to pop up? Did you think it was going to be something else? What were your initial thoughts of what was going on there? Uh, Starting with Loki's bond.
3: Okay. Um, rom-com. This is my problem with the, with the Dark World. I love the um, Asgardian, Vanaheim, even the Vanaheim, you know, even, even though that was shaky. That's okay. You, uh, what is it? Sparkleheim, I guess, is where the Dark World is. It looks great. It looks fabulous. The action is really good the 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 drama the the interplay between all the characters is great and it, with the humor and everything with the with the um who with who are the three the the warriors three and and uh sif and all that then they tack on this stupid rom-com up on the bottom of it and mcu's big stumbling block block has been they cannot handle romance. I think the only really successful couple they have are uh, Wanda and Vision. Um, I've never seen this romance work, this Jane Foster Thor work for me. It was kinda okay and then they just totally just blocked her out of the Avengers. Stuck her down in South Africa or somewhere, wherever she was at. Then she comes back. I just don't buy that romance and we'll see what happens in the next thorn and thunder whatever it is i hope they fit, figure it out by then <laughs> so I, i'll just i'll just leave that at there
0: <laughs> okay thank you how about you cam
1: uh as a, as far as the scene itself um you know from from the time that i that they get there to the time that they do finally leave and go back to asgard um it's a it's I, I, I think it's a decent scene. There, there there's a lot of really cool imagery going on there, you know, especially with like the uh, the the zero gravity you know semi truck and stuff like that. I thought that was really that was a really fun idea. Um, uh, and as far as uh, Thor finally coming back and showing up on earth, um, I, th- I thought it, uh, I thought it was a it was a decent scene. it it, uh, it you know helped to propel the plot along, which is of course what a scene is is supposed to do um as far as the romance stuff um i'm uh, i'm I'm, uh, I'm kind of indifferent about it i mean it, it, i in in a lot of ways i do buy their relationship i feel i feel like it fits within the context of the mcu it, it, i mean i've i've certainly seen worse the worst romances um but uh what we're also introduced to the idea that the ether you know defends itself you know while it's inside of jane and you know it, that that's that's first shown to us with like the the rain not falling on her uh, specifically and stuff like that. I thought that was a really cool idea too. Um, and th- th- that's a, that's kind of my overall uh, feeling about about the film as a whole. There's a lot of really good ideas. I just feel like they don't come quite together as a uh, completely cohesive whole. Well, not 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 cohesive, but uh, 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 how, uh how how do I put it? It's it, it, I, I feel like the film itself isn't. As much as the sum of its parts. Okay, okay. How about you, Jeff?
4: Yeah, uh, I think that I, I I would agree with with everybody that everything that, that everybody's already said. I think that I also, and I think we've talked about this before on the show. I feel like the uh, the relationship with um, with Chris Hemsworth with Thor and Jane was kind of contrived. Um, at times, like it really didn't have any authenticity, authenticity to it to me. Um, and I'm not, I I mean, I I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to slam this movie or something like that, because I honestly don't think that Thor, the dark world is as bad as some people think it is. Um, I do think it's actually an alright movie. It's not bad to watch. I told cyber, I watched I watched it like, I don't know, less than two months ago, just for fun one night like i wanted something to do you know i needed something to do so i put thor the dark world on and i watched it and i thought it was all right i mean it you know for what it was it was okay um i i, I think that again you got to take into consideration what part of you know the this is phase two in the marvel cinematic universe i mean it, it i think any any film that came out after the avengers was going to be a letdown kind of compared to the avengers right so um at that point as far as the scenes the scenes go i really like everything that shows asgard i feel like looks awesome i love the i love the asgard part of the film i just think every time that we see asgard it's it's almost like breathtaking like you know the imagery of it and everything and whatnot so that part i i I really dig um the the suspended in the air car deal was cool too it was like cam said i like that um but the way they started off with 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 jane on the date and all that i i don't i don't care for that personally um and again i want to just echo kind of what loki's mom already mentioned that the for me i don't know i i wonder too how they're going to handle the dynamic between Jane and Thor in Thor four, because I don't know if they're going to become a couple again, or if they're going to be just friends or like how that's going to work. And that's actually kind of an important aspect of like what Thor four is going to be about.
0: Very true. Very true. Uh, How about you, Taylor?
2: I I agree with Jeff that uh, Asgard looked spectacular in this movie. The uh, very, very, Kirby-esque. It, it was really gorgeous. And leading up to this point in the movie, I liked how uh, it showed Thor after after the battle, and Odin kind of wanted him to go out and celebrate with his troops, which is what a king, a leader, is supposed to do, and Thor uh, didn't really want to do that, which gives us a little hint of how, you know, Thor really doesn't want to be king, uh, And we, which of course we find out later in the movie how that turns out. And then um, Idris Elba, whose name I always, Heimdall, Heimdall, who was watching, keeping an eye on Jane for Thor, said, uh, I can't see her anymore. And that was the time when she had gone into that space-time void, whatever thing it was. And Thor immediately, at that time, went down to Earth (laughs) to find her because she was missing. And that's when we got to the point where the the rain, and I thought the scenes on Earth uh, were fine. You know, the, 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 um, the date scene, it was there for a reason. It was there to show that she has been trying to move on, that Thor has been gone for a long time, and she's trying to get on with her life. It served, served its purpose. There was a little bit of humor in there. And I don't think the humor in this movie uh, was overwhelming at all. In fact, there was less humor in this movie than in a lot of other uh, MCU movies. But I think there, there was enough of it to keep it you know, keep it fun for me. I, I Like um, Cyber said, I like humor in the movies as long as it's done well. And uh, that got us to the point, of course, where Thor went to Earth and realized that Jane was sick, and brought her back to Asgard, which of course set up, um, you know, the beginning of the next next stage of the film, which is the the dark elves coming after her to get to get the ether. So I think it was all done fairly well. I mean, you know, I just rewatched the movie night um, before last, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and this scene, because it had been it had been a while, a couple of years since I'd watched the movie again and uh it still had me had me fully interested and completely really engrossed up, up to this point
0: nice just, thank you me too
4: Me too. i just want to if you don't mind me jumping in for one minute cyber i, I do
0: i so mind
4: for <laughs> the, the dark world is one of those mcu films that you do kind of put on the back burner for a while before you end up deciding to watch it again you know like i hadn't seen it since when i saw it like two months ago um and then watched it again today those were the first times I'd watched it since I think when it came out in 2013 or whatever. So
0: nice, nice. I have watched it a billion times since it came out in 2013. A lot of the MCU films I've watched many, many times over the years. So none of them I have, I it's gone years without seeing, Uh, but uh, it, it, Thor Dark World is one of those films that, you know, I think a lot of people, once they rewatch it, they kind of change their mind on how they felt about it. Because I feel the first initial reaction, a lot of people were like, I don't like it. But watching it on a second time or third time, they're like, oh, yeah, this is a lot better than I thought it was. And uh, I think that's what this one's kind of like grown a kind of a cult following or a a love for, I feel, uh, over the years. And uh, I think it's just a really fun film. So, you know, moving on, so during that whole instance there going on, we also have, that's when the Dark Alps are basically reawakened. We see Malachith getting awakened from his slumber inside of his ship, uh, and that's when kind of they see that the Convergence is happening again, and because the ether was, you know, all of a sudden the ether became active again, and it kind of restarted everything. And so, that's basically the start of the Dark Alps again. We get to see them again, and we get to see them in present day. Uh, so, as time goes on, like we were saying, like Taylor said, you know, now uh, Thor sees that Jane's sick, and he's brought her back to Asgard. Uh, they're looking over her at Asgard, and that's when Odin gets a whiff of her being there. And uh, as they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on, you know, basically, you know, say what's inside of her, what's going on. It could basically, you know, destroy her basically eventually. Uh, but it is protecting her, and uh, that's basically when, like the whole, the whole shebang happens, uh, while they're there. Uh, as we discover that stuff and we look at that, that's when uh, cursed is uh, actually grabbed and brought into the jail where Loki is, and he, while he's in there, he absorbs that stone that turns him basically into curse, and then he starts breaking out all the. Uh, people that are in there, but of course leaving Loki and not opening the the jail cell for Loki because he can see that there's something that I shouldn't let this guy go. There's something wrong with this guy. And uh, that's what kind of the feeling I got when I saw the scene. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he he knows better than to let this guy out, let the other guys out to create chaos while he's trying to do what he's trying to do. But leave this really bad guy in there. And so, uh, you know, Loki gives advice. You should go down that staircase. And he starts, you know, goes down the staircase. And when this is all happening, um, you know, Odin's all mad at Thor that he needs to get rid of Jane and stuff like that. And, you know, get her out of here. And, you know, that the Earth has their own healers known as doctors and that they have to deal with her and stuff like that. And that's basically, you know, when after all the chaos is going on in the palace from curse, you know, going around, you know, stealing stuff and breaking things and stuff like that. Um, you know, Thor comes up with a plan to break out Loki and to have him, you know, help along with trying to save Jane. So, the next question for you guys is that scene with Loki and Thor when they first see each other for the first time after you know, Thor bringing them back after the whole Avengers thing and they have that conversation. What were your thoughts on that scene? What were your thoughts of what they were, you know, what they were talking about? Kind of what did you feel they were feeling? towards each other and so forth. So starting with you, Jeff, what did you think?
4: Well, I actually think that one element of the film that does work, I mean, whatever, you know, whatever um, negative comments or, or connotations you, you get from sometimes from some certain MCU fans or reviewers or whatever, um, I feel like Tom Hiddleston still stands out and, as Loki in this movie. Like, it, Loki's still effective to me. Like that's one element of the movie that works for me still, no matter what. Like I I feel like to kind of mirror what like what Sam was talking about before. I feel like the movie um doesn't um flow as well as it could in certain areas, but it has good parts. Like the the foundation of of the movie itself is pretty solid, and um, as far as the those scenes up to um for breaking loki out and everything and whatnot i really do really enjoy the the the, the creature um villain guy and everything and whatnot he's pr- really cool looking um what's what is he Scar or something what is he called um i, I the name that you were talking about cyber that was so hard to pronounce i'm going to take a stab at it it's adewale Akinoye, Gebe or something like that. Um, there you go. So I tried it.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I don't say it.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's definitely a rough one. Um, but
0: that's why um, I call him. Just call him Adelaide. Yeah,
4: that's, <laughs> I, I don't blame you on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, it's interesting. I mean, again, you're you're at the time that you first see this movie, you're coming off the Avengers, so. It's it's interesting, you know, where you know Loki Loki at that point it's still coming off of of his like excellent excellent you know um, job he did as the villain of the Avengers where he was just outstanding, um, you know he I, I don't th- I think no matter what I don't think I, I know this is a little bit off astray str- from the topic but I feel like Tom Hiddleston and as Loki as the villain of the Avengers he doesn't get the credit that he deserves sometimes i think um he's under he's he's undervalued as a villain um he because he was great in the avengers he really was i mean he was consistent too and throughout the whole film but as far as um the scene with uh with thor and loki there isn't really much that occurs in that in that dialogue that really does anything for me um again you know uh i love everything that has to do with with Asgard. Every aspect of, of every scene that they show where they're where they're in Asgard, I like. I, I really like the visuals of Asgard. Um, I like seeing the Asgardian people and everything and whatnot. Um, and if you noticed when when Thor brought Jane to Asgard, there was like this little hint, they showed this trace of jealousy with Lady Sip, where like she kind of looks over at Thor and Jane or whatever, like with this look when she sees that like Jane's at Asgard. And they tried to show this like little jealousy angle really there there for a minute, which I thought was interesting.
0: Interesting. Thank you. Thank you for that. How about you, Loki's bomb?
3: Um, well to the scene itself, I think that's where he says the sort of the line that sort of cuts the corner on the movie is where Loki says, Well, you must be desperate if you have to turn to me. Um, that sort of harkens back to the fact that and we hadn't really seen it up to that point. Between the two movies, that in the and if you go back to the myths, Loki was always going back and forth. It was whichever side that it, I guess he was an opportunist. Um, kind of a if you've ever read any any of it, um he, kind of a weird modern character set in this mythological world. Looking at it from our perspective, we can see the con man at work in him. Uh, he was a fixer. He he did a lot of dirty work for Odin uh in the myths and whatnot so how much of that's really going on we do hear at one point uh where he's being sentenced uh to imprisonment for life which was probably a great relief compared to what would have happened to him had uh Thanos gotten a hold of him so he's happy to wait it out wait his bite his time in prison um but anyway he says like you father you know I I didn't do anything any worse than what you did and of course if you go back to the myths again Odin and these people were nasty. I mean, they just war killed each other, sliced heads off, had no, you know, they killed brothers and sisters to get ahead. And, and that's true in all myths. All, it's ubiquitous in, in myths. Uh, so it, for me, at least for a person like me, that really kind of spoke to me a lot. And I got a lot out of it. Um, like you say, Hiddleston, and I think is a good actor um well not just good actor great actor so he brings a lot to it much like hopkins does and some of the others and i, I think he makes guys like kim's better actors because yeah. they have to react to him
0: very true very true how about you Cam?
1: Um I th- re- re- refresh my memory uh the, the the scene that you guys are talking about is the scene where Thor come actually does come to get Loki out of jail right and you, Correct. you, kinda, you okay I gotcha yeah uh I th- I thought um well as far as uh, as the film itself goes I think that the best thing about it, about it is the interplay between Thor and Loki uh as far as I'm concerned that is what makes the film Endless, endlessly rewatchable for me. Um, and it's a, it's interesting uh, Thor having to come in and see Loki in the state that he's in, because uh, you know what, what we went through, you know Thor one and the Avengers without really seeing Loki very vulnerable. Uh, not, not 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 very often, at least. Uh, we've seen moments where he felt threatened, but we haven't seen him in a state of of actual emotional vulnerability. Up until that point, point. and um, it's a, it's coming off of the scene of um, uh, Freya's funeral, wh- wh- which uh, which I thought was one of the most effective scenes in the film. Uh, well, wh- whenever uh, Loki hears about it, and, and th- 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 that's the thing, Loki doesn't get to attend it; he hears about it from, uh, in his cell, and uh, wh- with the way that the dialogue is completely cut out, all we see is his reaction to it. I thought that was a I thought that was very very effective. Yeah, um, and then you know Thor coming in to break him out of jail. That's That's when we. That's when the ball gets uh, started rolling as far as the interplay between him and Thor, and um, as it, it works not only as a scene to propel the plot forward, but it also works as kind of a stepping off point to uh, uh, seeing how Thor and Loki interact with each other. Because in Thor one, there was just so much animosity for you know most of the of the second half of the film. Uh, You you didn't really get very much of them together in the Avengers. The dark world was our opportunity to see how they really, you know, treated each other, especially knowing, uh, knowing what has just occurred. I thought that it was, I I thought it was really effective.
0: I would agree. I would agree. How about you, Taylor?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the scene was, was
2: effective. For all the reasons he just, he just listed, especially the death of uh, their mother and, uh, Loki's reaction to it. I mean, Loki doesn't, doesn't care about many people, but I'm pretty sure he cared about Frigga uh, quite a bit. And of course, um, prior to that, I just, just want to mention real quick, I thought the, um, the the Dark Elves attack on Asgard was just a spectacular scene. I thought the whole battle scene was great with the, the ships fighting each other, the, the Asgardian ships and the and the um, Dark, dark Elves ships, and the, the whole battle and the you know, city getting ships crashing into them and then the attempt to bring the shield up and then the guy who had escaped from prison destroyed the the engine or whatever, controlled the shields and the shields didn't go all the way up, which allowed the elves to come in and then the whole battle on the ground. So I thought that was a spectacular action scene all around. And then of course- yeah, that, the, 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 I'm
1: sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I I, I was I was just going to add that they, that they had those um, those black hole grenades, which I thought were just- the coolest thing ever. I wish we had seen more of those.
2: Yeah, those were awesome. Those were very cool. And there were a lot of, a lot of cool little things in there with the, uh, the cloaking capabilities of the, of the dark elf ships and, uh, just the way they flew and the, uh, you know, depiction of Asgard's um, you know, defenses all very well done. I thought, and then of course the, the death of, uh, Frigga was, uh, a good thing, pretty shocking. And of course, as, as he said, the, uh, funeral scene was just very beautiful and extremely well done. But the uh, the other part to me is, um, you know, Odin, I'm not, my interpretation of it is that Odin in his grief, uh, kind of didn't give a hoot anymore. He was being told, we're defenseless. At this point, if they come back again, you know, they're gonna wipe us out. And Odin was just like, I don't care. Um, we're staying here. We're keeping her here because uh, I think he wanted him to come because I don't think he, he even cared if he died at that point. I, that that was my interpretation of it. He wasn't showing it because he's he's Odin. He's the all father. He doesn't doesn't show emotion. But, uh, you know, his wife had just been killed. So I don't think he was making the best of decisions at that time, which drove Thor to that uh, point of desperation to uh, commit, you know, treason, quote unquote, to uh, break Loki out and get Jane. Uh, out of out of asgard so again it, it, it all leads up to that point point. and I, like I said i completely agree uh, i'm sorry i forgot the name of our friend here <laughs> i completely agree with him about how effective the conversation was it was a very short conversation but the interaction with thor and um okie like he said is always is always good
0: very much so very much so i just want to go into the comments over here real quick uh, Jeff Bowman here, he says, Malekith is such an underrated villain, though. Plus, I would have liked to see more on the Dirk Alps. you know. I I do agree with that. I, I agree. I think Malekith was a really underrated uh, villain, especially Christopher Eccleston's uh, performance of it. Uh, because I always enjoyed Christopher Eccleston. Anything I've ever seen him in, I always thought he was a really great actor, that he's done a lot of good things. Um, he was also, uh, in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, as, uh, One of the main villains in that too as well. He was really good in that. Um, But he's been in other films where they were a lot more serious roles, more drama, and he is really intense when he gets into that dramatic element. And I feel that as Malakith, he brought that really good, kind of like methodical and very deep, dark-seated type of villain character, which I think was really well done. And uh, I would have liked to see more in the Dark Alps too. I I think that's something that you know Marvel should maybe check into maybe later down the road. Maybe have the Dark Alps pop up again, you know? Because just because you destroyed Malekith and you know the ones that we saw doesn't mean that they're completely gone. So I think that would be cool if they ended up doing that. So thank you, Jeff, for uh, uh, bringing that up. That was a really good uh, a statement there, sir. So talking about Frigga's funeral. So let's talk about a little bit about the scene where she gets killed. So what were your guys' initial thoughts when you saw that they killed off Frigga? Like, I mean, I myself, when that scene happened, I was like, in, I was literally kind of like shocked. I was like really shocked because Renee Russo was really fantastic as Frigga. I didn't realize that that character was going to be killed off. I thought we were going to see her, you know, in more MCU films. I didn't think it was just going to be the two. I mean, we do get to end up seeing her in Avengers Endgame uh, and kind of, you know, briefly in other Thor-related things. Um, but as a character, I thought she should have survived. Like, I think I was just really shocked. So what were your guys in this thoughts when you saw that figure was killed? I mean, definitely that funeral was really amazing. It was really touching, uh, very emotional. And I remember thinking that uh, it was really well done. Uh, starting with you, Cam.
1: Um, I think I think it was well. Well, like I said earlier, as a scene, I thought it was very, very well done. Uh, I love that there was no dialogue. Uh, it was just the visuals and the music that that helped to convey uh, the tone, convey the uh, the seriousness of what was going on. Um, now, to uh, to be honest, I um, uh, I I hadn't seen the first Thor until after I already watched Thor Thor the Dark World because after I saw. Uh, the Winter Soldier. Uh, I I just went out and started buying all of the uh, all the Marvel movies, and one of the le- ne- the next ones that I bought was the Dark World because I was just like, oh well, there it is. Let me just go ahead and grab that. Um, but um, so so I didn't quite have the connection with the character as somebody who uh, who's seen the first Thor movie beforehand. Um, it, it did come as a surprise to me, definitely. I didn't think that uh, you know that they're going to kill off such you know supposedly a, uh an important character but um uh it, it's a, it's kind of it's kind of odd to say but uh, her death kind of serves the purpose of bringing thor and loki back together it's not the crisis of what's going on that brings them back together it's the fact that their mom just died and it it, it kind of heightens their family dynamic which i really appreciate <laughs>
0: Agreed, very much so. I, I agree there. I, I definitely realized that was the reason for the killing, most definitely. So, yeah, that's that's a very good, valid point. Uh, how about you, Jeff?
4: Well, uh, I just want to point out that Renee Russo is great in everything that I've ever seen her in, for the most part. You know, like, I don't really think there was anything I can think of where she was ever in a movie that I didn't like, or what she did. Um, I mean, I, I just saw Outbreak for the first time in forever a couple months ago um, with Dustin Hoffman. And oh my God, that's an old one. Cuban Gooding, Cuban Gooding Jr. and everything and whatnot when he was young. And um, that was a good-ass movie, man. Like I, like, I I had a good time watching it again for the first time in like a long time. I think you want to talk about like a break between movies. I hadn't seen that in like 20 years, I think. Um, and I saw it the other day. But yeah, I mean, it was very impactful, like, it's one of the most one of the most like actually like relevant impactful aspects i find of the film is is friggin dying you know like um it I, it surprised me when i first saw the, the film i was really shocked that they actually went that far that i was like you got to be kidding me like um just because i like the i like the figure <laughs> as a character i didn't want to, i didn't want to lose her in the thor franchise you know you knew you were going to get at least one more thor film at that point you know what i mean so um that's basically it i mean for the most part i just was kind of let down that you know that um at the idea of of of, i want i do want to point out that um taylor mentioned earlier and a couple people have already mentioned on the panel but anthony hopkins was really really good in this movie like i mean um i think that uh hats off to him um, for for like for seeing the potential in, in Mar- the Marvel Studios brand and like the whole MCU and everything when he like he did right off the bat and being willing to sign on to a multi film you know contract and everything and play Odin, um you know hats off to him you know hats off to Stella Star for being a, for being in the Thor films and being in the Avengers. I mean that this that in in Dune as like um, Baron and Harkonnen this guy is disgusting.
0: Yeah, Stellan so up awesome, you know, and his beginning scene showing him running around naked in the ruins trying to figure <laughs> something out was absolutely fantastic because um, we later down the road, we get to see him in a mental institution and stuff like that, which we'll come up on. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, Stellan Gazgard is amazing this film. I love mm-hmm. him as that character. I mean, especially after <laughs> what happened to him in Avengers, we can see why he, what why he ends up the way he is in Thor dark world is because of what Thanos did to him or what Loki did to him and so forth. So yeah, I definitely agree with Stalin Skazgard there. Uh, how about you Loki's mom?
3: Yeah. uh, How do you feel about your own death? Oh my God. Well, goddesses live, you know, forever. Um, yeah, I think Rene Renee Russo and her character were, um, underserved, uh, I guess in both movies. Um, we don't we never really get a sense of the fact that she's very powerful in her own right she has great mani- manipulative powers and she's uh, uh passed these on obviously to loki and and other things and we never really get to see any of that um we don't really get to see like I say loki needs his mom as as it's been pointed out that's that's if, if there's anybody he cared about it's her so this Here's, like you say, her death was, I guess, was necessary because that's what w- was it was going to take to make Loki stop and reassess his life and maybe there's another way he can go. Maybe as the film progresses, we find out he's still duplicitous, he's still sneaky, but he really doesn't, I don't even think, even in Ragnarok, I don't think he does a malicious death after that. He's he, he's either in battle or whatever he's defending himself but he i don't think he murders anybody or, or <coughs> even harms anybody he goes out of his way to save jane actually so anyway I, i'll just say that i just wish we could have had more renee russo who knows maybe she can be resurrected sometime down the road
0: very true very true uh, how about you taylor
2: i thought it was a great scene i thought it was really really powerful and again, it was uh it was you know one of the darkest moments of this movie. And this movie does have some 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 pretty dark moments in it and some pretty dark themes throughout. I mean, uh Asgard, you know, faces some really dark times in this in this movie in general. But I thought it was a great scene. I thought it was great that she was um protecting Jane, uh that she put up a heck of a fight. <laughs> and uh then it was it it was just shocking when she did die. I was not expecting the character to die and it was really done really well it was because it was so sudden and then where of course thor gets there just a little bit too late and then uh, malachi escapes just you know by the seat of his pants uh yeah all in all really really powerful season
0: very much so very much so so we want to give a proper send-off to mr cam he is he needs to go uh so we want to thank you cam for being on the
1: show and uh, is there anything you would like to plug before you leave, sir? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm I, uh, I'm Cam. I work with GNN, uh, Geek News Now. Uh, I have a YouTube show called Cam and Focus. Uh, I, I upload, uh, you know, several times a month. I have a new episode coming up in just a few days. So if you're subscribed to the channel, you know, yeah, uh, that's gonna pop up for you. If you're not subscribed, then please do. We're growing every day. Um, yeah. That's it. you know. Th- uh, thank you guys very much for having me. I had a lot of fun talking about this. I hope that I can uh, get back in to discuss some more Marvel with you guys later on down the line.
0: Most definitely. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, we'll definitely have you on again, sir. It was All a right. real pleasure. All right. Appreciate All right. it. Y'all have a good one. You, you too, guy. guys. Have a good one. All right. <clears throat> so. So talking about Frigga's funeral, so we, we, we've we gotten to that point now, you know, in the film, it's like pretty much the, I would say last quarter of the film, you know, after Loki and Thor talk and they, he he breaks them out and they go on, you know, basically on ventured lady sips along with them and, and uh, the, you know, fearsome three uh, or however, whatever they call it. I always forget what they're called. I don't know why I have such a hard time remembering what they are called, but um, of course, you know, his companions come along what? Somebody say something. Okay. Anyway, I
4: said, I said so
2: warriors, the warriors
0: three. Oh, warriors three. Thank you. And uh, sorry. And so uh, the warriors three come along, and they basically they steal a ship along with Jane, and the, they start their adventure off to save Jane. And as we continue the movie, the, you know, basically they end up going, uh, you know, to certain places. Throughout the you know this journey, um, to you know basically try to figure out what to do with the ether and get it out of Jane. Uh, I mean, I, I think this point of the film, it, it just you get this giant climatic, you know, you know, giant battle going on starting off at this point, and I think there's a lot of great camaraderie and some great banter between Loki and Thor while they're on that ship, and. So my question is for you guys during that scene where they're flying off and going to the destination uh, to get to where they want uh, that conversation on, you know, with Loki and Thor on that, you know, them kind of discussing about, you know, what Loki did and all that kind of stuff. What were your thoughts on that scene compared to the one they had in the jail? Because this is kind of like another, you know, brother me to moment, I feel. In this film, kind of give you more of that relationship of how Loki and Thor feel about each other. So, starting with you, Loki Mom, what did you think about that scene?
3: Yeah, I think it, 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 yeah, it's it's the second part of the first conversation they had in in the prison where um, Chris Hemsworth Thor, he's one of the things he expresses, not only his grief with everything else, with the death, is he's still grieving his lost brother i mean apparently loki at one point in his life was not quite as bad as he is now and he's just gotten worse and worse and worse over time and thor dearly loves him but he's lost that person that he loved and so then when we get into the ship and they're traveling to the to get where the spot they're going and um there again he brings it up again and then they bring their their mother into it well what would she want and, and loki tries to make a joke out of it and you know he said well, yeah he kind of laughs at it too so i think they sort of it come to us kind of a little friendly uh, at least partnership right there that they can at least agree on that fact that they both love their mother and they're going to avenge their mother and that's the most important thing that they have to focus on at that point
0: very much so. Uh, how about you, Jeff?
4: Well, I feel like I, I don't have that much to say about that part of the film, really. Other than that, there is the the whole dynamic with um Thor and Loki that I think is is very um intrinsic to the film. Um, just like it is almost to all the Thor films in a way. You know what I mean? That that relationship. It, um, it defines Thor, um, you know, like, and I think that, you know, seeing this film, you know, and eventually we're going to get to the, the part where Loki dies. I think that I definitely did not believe that Loki was really dead when Loki died. I can tell you that right now. I was like, I know Loki's not dead. Like, this, this,
0: like
3: mm-hmm.
4: I know he's gonna come back. Like he he will. Like there's no way he won't. No, that's, um, that's
3: that's the shark going out to sea.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just didn't believe it. I I, I remember you know for the first time, and I'm like, no, there's no way Loki's really dead from that. Um, but um, it it th- this is the film where this is the the film where you start to see Loki start to kind of. Um, start to do his anti-hero deal. You know what I mean? Like that. This is the this is the movie where he kind of starts to head in that direction. I think that's important to point out.
0: Yes, it is. It very much is. I mean, he's very anti-hero in this film. We've come to that. Uh We can see that throughout. You know, majority of the last half of the film, you can see that, especially when he helps Thor against you know Malachite towards the, you know when they're trying to get the ether out of Jane and stuff like that. So. Most definitely. Uh, how about you, Taylor?
2: Well, I liked I like the escape scene. I liked that their their whole plan and the way it was set up. I liked how the now um, it was the Warriors three, but it was a modified Warriors three because the one guy had stayed on his planet but Lady Sif was there. So I guess they're kind of the warriors four and there was three out of four of them <laughs> were there. But I liked how they all they all played their part. They all played a very uh, important role in the escape. As far as the actual conversation between uh, Thor and Loki, I don't, I don't really have a lot to say. I don't remember the exact specifics of what they said to each other. I remember it felt very natural. It, it felt like you know two brothers, people who'd known each other their whole lives, um, talking to each other. So I uh, I appreciated that part of
0: it very much. So thank you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so you know, this is going on here. There, there, they, you know, that whole and en- that chase scene there, where Thor and Loki get on the Dark Elf ship to blast out, and then they end up on that little one. and They have the conversation. There's a portion of the Warriors Three, like you were saying, which I actually really enjoyed. You know, Zachary Levi's take on. On his character a lot better than Joshua Dallas who was in the first film. So I don't know how many people noticed that it wasn't the same guy playing the character. But Zachary Levi actually took over the character in this film. Because the other guy, Joshua Dallas, was having uh, scheduling conflicts with uh, the TV show he was on at the time. And that's the reason why Zachary Levi didn't start out as the character. Is because he was filming Chuck at the time when they were making the first floor film. So when he, he did originally get picked to play for uh, Fulgal, Fulag, whatever, say his name, um, but he ended up, because of having obligations to Chuck, he had to bow out, and that's why that Joshua Dallas got it. Um, but I was thankful that they brought him in for this one and in for Thor Ragnarok, and I just really enjoyed him. I think that scene where they're on that boat and they start farting some of the Dark Elves, he, he was just, like, freaking hilarious and so fun in that scene. So, you know, as they continue their journey, you know, they end up uh, in the Dark Realm, the Dark World, as you want to call it, and that's... There is where they meet up with Malekith and Curse. And they basically have, like, this whole kind of, like, banter and stuff like that, and all this kind of stuff goes on, and that's where uh, we end up getting to where, you know, Jeff was talking about Loki being killed. Now, like, I myself... At first, when I saw the film in 2013, I was like, they killed off Loki. I was like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Nah, he's got to come back. He's got to come back. I, you know, I wasn't sure if they were bring him back, but definitely, you know, I was thinking in, in the back of my head, yeah, they're going to bring him back. But that whole scene there, I think, is a really epic, great scene, uh, especially between all of them and stuff like that and the fight sequence and stuff like that and the the illusions that Loki used to make it look like Thor's hand disappear- like was cut off and all that stuff. I thought it was a really fun scene. So my question is, what did you guys think of that scene? Did you enjoy it? Did you like how they played out Loki's death and so forth? So starting with you, Jeff.
4: Um, I mean, it was the, the first time I ever saw it, the first time I watched this film, it was probably more impactful than it was seeing it like, you know, two months ago or today. Um, but I think that um, this is I think this is this is for me this is the part of the film that's kind of soft. Like this is this is if, if I was gonna point out one part of the film that kind of like you know reflects why I think there's people that have such a negative view of Thor the Dark World, I feel like this is this is kind of part of the film where it things feel a little soft to me. Um and it's not quite as good. Maybe and this, you know, at, at this at this point, um, and then it kind of goes from there. So that yeah, I mean, that's basically. It. I there wasn't really much for me to really take from from any of it that I would really want to point out or anything.
0: Okay, okay, thank you. How about you, uh, Loki's Bond?
3: Well, yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think when you the first time you see it, it's it's shocking because here here's Loki betraying his brother yet again, you know, oh my God, here we, here we go again. And then of course we find out quite soon, quite dramatically that this is just part of the plan to so that they can extract the ether out of Jane and kill the bad guys at the same time. You know, it's, it was was one of those kind of like set up. So um, i like to say, when you go back and see it again, it's not as impactful. Um, I don't see it as, I think it's a good scene. I think it's what they meant it to be. Um, And like you say, when Loki dies, it's it's very dramatic and very, or very melodramatic. And of course they make fun of it again in Ragnarok, at the beginning of Ragnarok. So yeah, there, I think maybe that element was, yeah, it could have been a little too sappy and then they realized it and sort of made a joke out of it later themselves. Uh, But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy that Loki had died because when, the guard goes back to Odin and he says, "Well," and he says, "There was a body." And then the guard looks up and he's guard has that Loki look. And I said, mm, "Yep, here we go."
0: <laughs> yep, very much so. Yep. How about you, uh, Taylor?
2: I thought it was a really good scene. I thought there was a lot of great action in it. I thought the 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 um, the con job uh, was really effective. It, you know, it, if I recall, it had me fooled the first time I saw it. So I thought that was really well executed. Um, the only part that I won't say it doesn't work for me, but it 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 always leaves me a little bit confused or a little bit underwhelmed is is the character of Curse. Um, I like him. I think he looks looks great. I think he's a little bit too powerful. You know, I know he has to be powerful, but I think he's a little bit too powerful. But beyond that, I didn't quite understand what he was. He. he he crushes this rock thing in his hand and it gives him all this amazing power. I don't think they ever explain what that, what that was, <laughs> where that comes from. But that, that, that always has me thinking about that. And I don't like it when thoughts are taking me out of the scene, you know, <laughs> and that's the thought that always comes, comes to me whenever curses is, is in that scene battling. I'm like, what is this guy again? <laughs> but you know, yeah, small thing overall, great, great action scene. And uh, I can't remember if I, thought loki was really dead or not i I agree with um frigga's mom that once that guard went back to odin then i was like ah, okay (laughs) now i know he's not dead or at least i at least had an inkling that there was something going on at that point but what the point where he actually died i don't i don't remember if i if i bought it at that point or not I, i may have
0: yeah most definitely i mean not everyone's gonna think that everyone's gonna have a different opinion most definitely and I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, some people, I'm sure, were right off the bat, were like, no, he's not dead. And there's other people that like, eh, I'm not sure. And then there's others like, he's dead? No way! You know, so it, it, it all comes down to, uh, you know, the person and what they think. So, yeah, it, that, I'm just one of those ones I wasn't too sure at the time because I really didn't know much about the comics. I didn't know much about the direction that the MCU was going to be taking. And so, you know, definitely it was something that, was like, oh, okay, you know, at, at the end when it showed him, and I was like, no way, that's awesome! So I, I was, like, shocked and surprised, and I was really happy that he was still alive. Uh, so, yeah, so that all happens, and in while that's happening, too, that's when we find out that, you know, uh, Stellan Skazgar's character is in a mental institution because he was running around naked at, at you know, out at Stonehenge. And so Darcy and her intern go to get him out of there. And there's a great cameo of Stan Lee in that. And I want to bring this up because I feel like every film we forget to talk about a Stan Lee cameo. So in this one, Stan Lee is one of the people at the mental Institution. And he has one of the like funniest comments, you know, going on in that, you know. And his reaction to Stellan Skazgard's character was like so stinking funny. And I just feel like it, it sucks that we're not going to get any more Stanley cameos. And so, you know, H one is so precious and so fun. And just like, even if it's like, even like a second long, it still is so much fun to see him in the film, you know, especially of a character that he was, you know, a creator of, but I just wanted to mention that Stanley cameo because that's a really good part there, that part there where he's a part of that mental institution, along with Stellan Skazgard and, you know, getting him out and stuff. And, You know, basically getting him ready to be able to help Jane and them kind of come to discover those portholes. That is what they're going to use to kind of like defeat Malekith. So I think that's really, you know, a, a cool little concept there. So as that happens, you know, after he gets taken out and stuff like that, you know, they, of course, they go back to the house and he's doing his stuff still and he's still being pantless and stuff like that. And that's how Jane's reintroduced to him. After, you know, Loki has supposedly died now, and, you know, both Thor and her, you know, leave through, you know, the uh, the doorway, basically, from the two sections uh, to get back to Earth. And so we end up at the apartment, and they're there, and she sees that, you know, Stellan's there, and that they're back. Eric is back, and, um, and they have that great Kamada, and she's kind of like, Jane's like, where's your pants? <laughs> And that's just, like, so sticky funny. It cracks me up, he's like, hey. and the intern's like, it makes him think better, <laughs> it, it, supposedly, you know. And that whole thing goes on there, and they're kind of, like, discussing what they need to do. And that's when they end up going to the other part of England, uh, wherever they're going, to take on Malkeith after now having the ether inside him. And so we have basically the last section of the film, this giant battle between Dark Alps and Thor and Jane being a part of it and Darcy and the intern, all these people and stuff. And we see them kind of go through all these different portholes and, and all stuff like that. So my question for you guys is what did you think of that, those action sequences and how they did it? And did you like that idea of how they kept, they did what basically we saw at the beginning of the movie where, you know those objects were coming, were going in one place, disappearing, and then coming back in the same area or a different area, uh, and what your thoughts were on that final battle sequence. Uh, So starting with you, uh, Loki's mom.
3: Yeah, that's one of the, the, another, one of the things I didn't like were, um, and this is just an aesthetic thing, was the, the portholes or the, or the convergence, um, the wormholes, whatever they are, they look like amoebas floating in the sky. I just, they, they look so hokey. And I I I think they just could have done a much better job of imagining that. Um, it was, um, I didn't like it. There again, we're getting back to, to the rom-com portion, what I'm talking about. And uh, I, I don't think it's been mentioned, but Darcy, I, I'm sorry, she is so annoying all the way through that. You know she's trying to play the comedy relief I, I she has to help to advance the plot I get it but I, I just didn't like her at all uh, and, she, and I didn't mind her in the first Thor movie in this movie she just annoyed the heck out of me um, when you get into the battle scenes I think here here we're gonna get into the anticlimax and everything uh, you know and it's, it is pretty it was journeyman it was well done there I didn't have any problems with it um, nothing spectacular, though. Uh, um, the, I think it actually the, the the best part for me is coming up, and that's going to be the end credit, which you might want to talk about.
0: <laughs> Thank you. How about you, Jeff?
4: Yeah, I mean, same kind of deal. Like, I, I it, it was that the it was an it was not very climatic for me that final battle scenes um that's it, it's again it's another part of the film that i felt like was kind of soft um and i love i mean i like darcy I, like I, she's nice she she looks pretty pretty good to me um so you know i mean uh i definitely liked her in that um two broke girls show that she was in with the on um, with the skirt and everything and her whole waitress outfit and whatnot. I like that. Um, and she was good in WandaVision. But um, no, I, I honestly, Cyber, I don't have really much to say about that, about that, that end, that end battle scene, really. Um, it's, it, it's It all kind of was just your, you know, typical kind of like things went where they went and um, none of it really did that much for me. But again, it's kind of like one of the softer parts of the film for me. Oh, we lost Cyber. Taylor, I think Cyber was going to go to you next.
2: But he won't. He won't hear what I have to say.
4: There he is. <laughs> you with us? Well you finished? Were you finished, Jeff? Yeah, but we're going to go to Taylor.
0: So, Taylor, what are your thoughts, sir?
2: Well, I really liked how. Um, they found their way back home in that in that cave, where the stuff that was going through the wormholes ended up. Where they found why there's so many shoes in here, and uh, and then she got a phone call through the through the wormhole. <laughs> she finally got a signal across across space and time. Uh, they got a cell phone call through, and she's talking to uh, Darcy on the phone. And then they got that's how they got back to Earth. And then I thought the final battlefield. I I thought it was pretty. Pretty spectacular, actually. I thought the the way they used the wormhole in in multiple different times and different ways throughout the battle. I thought that gave it that little extra twist to make it not just your typical uh, big fight scene. And then of course the, the you know the the dark elf ship coming in and crashing, and the whole fight between uh, Thor and um, Malekith, and then Thor getting sent to the dark world for a minute. And his hammer going out into space to find him and then him coming back to Earth and his hammer turning around and then him ending up miles away. And he had to take a train to get back (laughs) to the battle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I thought it was all pretty, pretty well done. And then, um, like I said, the the whole fight between uh, Thor and the now uh, Infinity Stone empowered Malekith, I thought was was exciting and good. I, like, I just like the way Marvel scenes in general because there's a lot of back and forth in it. It's not all one-sided, you know? And uh, I, for me, it worked. It, it worked as a great uh, climax and uh, final final battle scene for the movie.
0: Most definitely. I, I would I 100% agree with you because I thought that was really ingenious too, how they used the wormholes to basically defeat Malachite. And using those those grenades, as we were talking about earlier, that yes. do the same thing. And, uh, you know, they using that to basically end up transporting pieces of Malky to other, you know, places. And then officially, like, kind of sending the rest of his body to one place. And then that, his, his own ship falls down and kills him, basically. Uh, and, you know, basically that's how they defeat the Dark Elves and the Convergence. And so, you know, basically that's where it ends and, you know, Thor and Jane have a moment and we get this like really uh, kind of just like kind of basic, you know, stop ending It was basically this and, you know, and it was it was done. And so, you know, basically that's the whole entire film. Uh, And then we have the two post credit scenes. So uh, another thing I don't feel we talk about enough is the post credit scenes, too, for any of these films. So the first post-credit scene, of course, is is a wonderful little piece where it shows the collector, uh, played by Benicio del Toro. Uh, we also get to see his assistant, Ophelia Longhorn, uh, who plays that character. I can't, I don't remember her name as the character, but Ophelia plays that that alien creature uh, that is his assistant. And so that's when all of a sudden, Lady Sif and unfortunately Ray Stevenson's character—I can't remember his name—is his character's name. Uh, but they show up with the ether to for to give to the collector to hold for them because they didn't want the ether and the other Infinity Stone they had on Asgard together because they felt that would be too powerful. And basically, we kind of get we kind of get a glimpse of some cool things that you know he's collected and stuff like that. We get this great cameo from, uh, you know, Benicio Arturo. What were your guys' thoughts on that end credit scene? Did you guys enjoy it? Did you like seeing Benicio Arturo again after getting to see him in Guardians? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, starting with you, Loki's mom.
3: Yeah, I, I like that because um, the little end credits, so it kind of gives you that little cliffhanger thing feeling that you would get um, in, a, in other types of movies and whatnot or TV shows and we got a glimpse like you say of some of the collector's items and we saw the the, i think it's called the cocoon that sort of really nasty looking glob that was behind the uh lady sif um and my understanding is that plays a very important part coming up in the next phase um this may or may not be adam warlock we don't know who's in that pod but he probably will come out at some point, I hope. Um, And and I like Benicio del Toro in that part. He is just so good uh, as one I think he... What is he, a Celestial? Is that what... I think he and the Grand Master are the same species, my understanding.
4: They're they're brothers.
3: Yeah, okay, okay, they're brothers. So we're getting um, little glimpses of these guys and getting out away from Earth and away from the realms and whatnot into... greater universe and of course there's his all as guardians he's just that mock you know all he just kind of makes fun of them (laughs) you know i'm a celestial and you're just a bunch of little gods who are you to me and so i really like that part
0: very much so i i would agree there i think it was a a really good kind of post-credit scene uh especially right around that time was really when they started doing post-credit scenes so I think that was a really great start. Uh, how about you, Jeff? What did you think about that post credit scene?
4: Well, I mean, I, I like Fenicio Del Toro and most everything that he plays in. So, you know, he's great as the collector. And, um, you know, at, at the time, it just seemed cool that, like, you know, that he was he was a part of the MCU again of, in, in some part, in some kind. Um, and um, I remember thinking... Is this the safest place to really like give some give an Infinity Stone? You know, like that was my thinking when I when that when I initially saw the scene. So, yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. there, besides that, I really didn't have much else to to, to offer on that that scene itself.
3: Yeah, can I jump in because uh, that's an important point. You say why would Odin entrust an this very powerful Infinity Stone to this guy? So that's an open question. <laughs> maybe, maybe to think about for the future.
0: Very much so. Uh, how
3: about you, Taylor?
2: I liked it a lot. I, I was very surprised to see the collector. I was excited that he looked like the comics collector. Uh, you know, sometimes they change him up a little bit, but uh, he was very comics accurate. And I just, you know, I was just excited that. Uh, it was a just a little more expansion of the of the MCU universe, and just a little hint of the future. And of course, we all knew it by this time that these uh, these stones <laughs> were going to be a huge part going forward. And it was just showing us where where one of them ended up. So I thought it was a, a good little scene.
1: Very
0: much so. So that brings us to the final scene, and the final thing we'll talk about the Thor: The Dark World, and that'll be finished for our review. Uh, and the final post-credit scene actually shows a creature uh, I don't know if a, a lot of you remember it but there's a creature it shows that you know came through one of the wormholes onto earth which they never actually ended up talking about in any other film and I you know I think it's interesting that they gave this this little post-credit scene this awesome looking creature on earth that's not supposed to be there but yet we never find out what happened to it but I think it was a cool little post credit scene because I think this creature was so awesome, and I wish we had gotten to see more of this creature and like what ha- actually happened to it. Uh, but my thoughts are is, are that on that. But what are you guys' thoughts on that? Did you think that was a necessary post credit scene? Did you think did you think that they were going to actually end up you know showing what happened to that creature and or what are your thoughts on what maybe happened to that creature? Uh, starting with you, Jeff.
4: I didn't think anything of it, to be honest with you. I didn't think it would they, would they would do anything with it again, and that was pretty much it.
0: All right, how about you, Lady Loki? Uh,
3: yeah, I thought it was a, a, just there as maybe as more of a joke than as uh, than the other scene was because it came way at the end. Um, yeah, and I think, and who knows? It's one of those little things that packed MCU just packed away. Maybe they'll re-resurrect at some point, maybe they won't, but but they have it there in case they need it. So <laughs> sort of sort of banked away, as it were.
0: Yep, very much so. How about you, Taylor?
3: Well that, that end credits scene, I
2: believe, started with um Jane and her <coughs> friends eating breakfast and then Thor <laughs> Thor coming down. And of course that was the I think that was the most you know relevant part of the scene. Was Thor had returned, he he had he pretty much said, "I'm not going to be king. It's not not me. I'm not sitting on this throne in, in Asgard. I, I I got I want to be with Jane and I want to do other things." And then it cut away to that that monster that we had seen earlier, who he ate a couple of dark elves, if I remember uh, correctly. And then they never showed him again. And then they brought him back. So it's just just a cute callback. It's just you know just a joke. Um, I you know. I would bet any amount of money that someone saw that thing running around Greenwich or wherever it was, and Thor went and slew that beast or sent it back to wherever it needed to go. Um, I don't think it's still running around on earth, you know, 10 years later or whatever it is at this point in the MCU. So I think, well, just she, thought it was a callback. What was that?
3: I said, shield may have it packed away somewhere. Very
0: well be. It would be S.H.I.E.L.D. That would have been a great episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They should have done yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So thank you guys very much. That is the end of this Marvel review of the Thor The Dark World. Lots of great things brought out. Lots of great things about this film. It's just a really well-rounded film. Now we're going to go into our uh, our last segment. Or, or, part of our last segment, which is we're going to talk a little bit about this little uh, teaser thing uh, for Miss Marvel, the upcoming Disney Plus series. And uh, I believe, you, Jeff, you have a little snippet for us to watch.
3: Miss Marvel is a new kind of superhero. But at the core of all of it, her story is so universal.
1: Miss Marvel is one of the newer characters in the Marvel Comics.
4: And when one comes in that grabs the world's imagination like this, and the questions are when are we going to bring Miss Marvel to the screen?
1: When Ms. Marvel first came out, we had such an incredible reaction. It was so incredibly popular because everybody could see themselves in her. I never saw a young teenager of color, specifically a Pakistani, in a comic book. Are you kidding? You promised you'd be cool. I am cool. The casting process was vast. When we discovered Iman, we knew that she was Kamala Khan. It was unanimous decision. Yeah, I can't comprehend this right now. And then, of course, we've got a really incredible team of directors directors, Bilal Fala, Adel al Arbi, Mira Menon, and Sharmino Baj Noy, And all of them are taking the material and elevating it.
3: So human, it's about a teenager figuring out who
0: she is and about relationships. Family and friendship is at the heart of the MCU canon. That's what's so exciting about the story that we're bringing is that we're going to introduce you to a new family that's also going to be part of the wider MCU. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Interesting. So what were you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I personally, I don't know much about Miss Marvel. I didn't realize she was Pakistani. I didn't realize that she was a foreigner. Um, I I mean, I did know that she was of a different origin. But I did not realize that she was like an Indian character uh, that, you know, was present in the MCU. Uh, and, uh, I think it's interesting that it's gonna, you know, this show is supposedly gonna be, you know, showing us a new variety and new, uh, type of family and stuff that's gonna be a part of the wider MCU. I think it's interesting that they, uh, kind of showed you kind of some of the directors and stuff like that and kind of, like, who's gonna be a part of, you know, making this series, uh, which I believe is supposed to come out early 2022, I believe, on Disney+. And, uh, uh I'm really interested in learning more about just, who Miss Marvel is, what, you know, what she's capable of doing and how she's different from Captain Marvel and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see where they take this series and so forth. And uh, just where it leads and how good this Iman character, uh, the actress Iman, is at playing this character. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, What were your thoughts on it, Jeff?
4: Well, I mean, I, I, I've already made it clear multiple times that I'm somewhat optimistic about the series. I am. I think that um, the premise of it, it seems, seems pretty neat to me. Like, um, you know, uh, I she, Captain Marvel is her favorite superhero. You know, like that's her deal. Like she loves Captain Marvel. Um, and, you know, as far as, they don't really show her abilities or her powers in the, in that teaser. She has the ability to like um, to, to morph different parts of her body and make them bigger or smaller. So she can make her, are her hands really big and like make these big like fists if she wants to, or like make herself bigger, like, like taller if she wants to like um, she can like elongate herself. She can like, you know, stuff like that. So, as far as the, the differentiating her between Captain Marvel, that would be it. it. Would be the power set is different. You know, she doesn't have uh, laser beams or, um, you know, or energy beams or anything like that. She can't fly. Um, you know, uh, I think she has super strength, and she has like durability and everything and whatnot. But um, I'm 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 very optimistic about this this show. I think this will be the next series that comes out after Hawkeye. I do. I think it'll be Miss Marvel, um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to covering it.
0: Cool. How about you, Lady Loki? I mean, uh, Loki's mom. Sorry. <laughs>
3: That's okay. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but I, I wasn't aware that this was coming out. I mean, um, on the surface, I don't know that it would be a series that would appeal to me. Uh, I see it sort of as a. Uh, uh, for for young ladies, I think it, it's an answer for what um, Spider-Man does for, for young guys. Uh, it gives them a, a, a character, a superhero that's closer to their age that they can identify with rather than somebody who's, who would be like their parents' age. Um, so I see that as, you know, a real positive. I'm not going to knock the series or anything until I've, you know. And, you know, and I'll check it out, you know, certainly down the road when it comes out. Um but as far as just you know being excited about it, I, I can't say that I am. We'll we'll see what happens.
0: Very much so, thank you. All right, how about you, Taylor?
3: Well,
2: I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to be a good series. Um, that that teaser did not impress me. Right? That that teaser didn't do anything for me. Uh, they're trying way too hard to tell us that this character is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's oh. It is one of the newest characters? Yeah. Well, yeah. She came out at a time when after people stopped buying comic books, <laughs> and <laughs> no, no. they didn't—they didn't start buying them again because she showed up. Okay. Um, I've only seen her in a couple of cartoons on a Disney Channel, so I don't know a whole lot about the character other than what Jeff just said. Um, yeah, she's she's only Ms. Marvel. But her name is Ms. Marvel because she loved Captain Marvel, and when she got superpowers. She uh, had had to have a superhero name, so she chose to emulate her hero, which is uh, Captain Marvel, but she has no relationship to Captain Marvel as far as powers or anything like that. Um, You know, like I said, that teaser was just a little bit, little forced, you know. Oh, I've never seen a a teenage character of color in a comic book. Well, then you haven't read many comic books, because I've seen lots of teenage characters of color in comic books going way back, (laughs) okay, so, you know, everything's always... Always oh, a breaking new ground. No, it's not. I've seen it all before. <laughs> okay, so don't <laughs> um, give me that.
0: Miles and Morales, thank you, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Thank you. And I could I could go down the list. I go back to the seventies. Yeah. Luke Cage and, and everybody. But um she's she's Pakistani American, is my understanding. She she's she's very Americanized. So I don't know if, if she was born in America or if she came here when she was very young, but she's very much a typical American teenager. She just happens to be. Pakistani American. At least in the in the cartoon versions that I've seen of her, she was very American. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pakistani American. She is Muslim, and that's all fine. But um yeah, and, and I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to get more teenage girls into comic books. <laughs> I mean, this whole I have to see someone who I can identify with. Well, you know, my favorite superhero when I was is Iron Man, but I am not a Billionaire genius, uh, playboy uh, like Tony Stark. I I I didn't have to identify with a character uh, to like the character. You know, he doesn't have to be exactly like like me. You know, I'm not I'm not like Superman either. So I don't. <laughs> you know, to me that's just a lot of fluff. Show me show me the goods. All right, show me show me the action. Show me the story. Oh, and the the the, the shots they showed of the of the four great directors they had. They looked like mug shots for crying out loud. They looked like guys that were. <laughs> Brought in after a riot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking too when I saw them. Oh, uh, yeah. that's hilarious!
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally no, agree with Taylor.
2: You know, Marvel, Marvel's done a great job with all their movies and, they, and and all the TV shows up to now. I've loved, I've loved all of them. So I have no, no, no doubt <laughs> at this point. I have, I have a lot of hope and faith that this will be another great show. But uh, you know, it'll, it's all going to be new to me. Because because um, I, I really don't know what to answer. Didn't didn't tell me anything. That was just smoke and mirrors.
3: Well, the yeah. thing About television is uh, you can always turn the channel. So <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> very true. Very true. And and you know, going back to a little bit more about you know uh, when Jeff was explaining the powers of Miss Marvel, the first thing that came to my mind was Mister Fantastic. Uh, Reed Richards yes. with her powers yes. and I'm like whoa oh, so it's a female version of Mr. Fantastic that's what this is I'm like oh, okay like I, she can blow her hands up and make them big and so he that it's like rubber man basically so it's like that doesn't really impress me either at all but uh, you know it's it's it definitely be interesting to see on a grand scale in the CGI format just to kind of see what they do with it so I'm looking forward to that at least to see what that looks like you know in our better technology days now with the CGI. So, to finish us off, we are going to show the Jessica Jones trailers and give a brief talk about that, and then we will be done with the show, guys. So, uh, Jeff, if you have those pros, really, we're ready, sir.
3: A big part of the job is looking for the worst in people. Turns out I excel at that. You a PI? I'm just trying to make a living. You know, boost costs money, Usually. jessica jones i saw you what do you want to know can you punch through a wall stop moving car a slow moving car the way i see it being a hero just puts a target in your back yeah, been there done that Until
2: what if there was someone else out there?
3: But his ability was to make people do whatever he wanted. You like mind control? You have no idea what I've done, what he made me do. Jess, he isn't here now. Okay, well, he's always here. Yes, you'd like to invite me in? Absolutely. Kilgrave leaves a trail of broken people behind him. He made me jump for hours as high as I could. He said I was never as good as you. He's back. He's coming for me. Let's start now. No!
4: Jessica, I'm the only one who matches you.
3: We're inevitable. Oh my god. God didn't do this. The devil did. and I'm gonna find him. I am Come on, Jessica. I am the star. Don't play the hero with
4: me. I am the star. So wait.
0: Wow, awesome, awesome. So this is a great trailer. Um uh the first season of the show is amazing like I said I hadn't seen the second season yet. Uh we started it but I haven't finished it. Uh, but that beginning scene uh, or just that whole first trailer is just really fun. The whole first season too. I love David Tennant as the bad guy. I love uh you know Kristen Ritter as Jess Jones. I think she's fantastic. I'm hoping they bring her back. Um, but this show is so gritty. It's just like the Daredevil series. It's so gritty, just like Luke Cage's. Um, Just how graphic they went with these series on Netflix was really surprising to me, because, you know, them being related to Marvel, I was expecting them to be, you know, more PG-13 class. But with how graphic they went with these shows, and especially with Jessica Jones, I think they did a really good job. I like that they made it very adult-themed-oriented. And Just how, uh, you know, like, they brought to life the comics very precisely and very well. So I I think the show is really fantastic. And that trailer is a um, really great, you know, just kind of like introduction to what went on in that series or in that first season anyways, and how fun it was. Because there was a lot of great action in that. And like I said, I think Kristen Ritter was just perfect as Jessica Jones. I just really enjoyed her. Uh, So what were your guys' thoughts on that? trailer how starting with you jeff
4: i think it's a great trailer i, I think it's it's really good um i did see jessica joe in season one um i i have not gotten into season two yet i've got to watch season two and season three um that's why we we dropped these trailers because you know it's, it's interesting to see where people are at with these different um mcu properties you know uh marvel properties I really do hope that they do bring um, Jessica Jones to the MCU. I do. Um, I think she's a great character. And I think that, um, you know, the first season is great. It is very graphic. Uh, you know, um, I, I and I like that. I mean, you know, I, I do. I, I I enjoy that. Taylor, I'm sure Taylor knows, Cyber knows that I love the Suicide Squad because I like the graphic language and the nudity and everything and whatnot like I did like that aspect of it and I like that with the Netflix series um I like that they mentioned Daredevil in the trailer because Daredevil's a really great show it really is um but yeah um I think Kristen Ritter is great as Jessica Jones I hope that they decide to roll her into like the She-Hulk show or something like that
0: most definitely most definitely how about you uh Loki's mom
3: yeah just just watching that trailer that that makes me want to check it out um i've seen deer and i know there's some kind of like crossover with that with with jessica jones and there's like another which i haven't seen but um i like that noir feel to it and that they actually do film it in new york city i think that lends a lot to it right there You you really get that urban gritty dark underworld and Um, going back to um, Daredevil, or what's his name, Vincent, what's his name, Vincent Diofino, or he plays Kingpin, Kingpin. he's the best part of the whole thing for me, I I mean, I just thought he did so good in that, and uh, so yeah, I'll I'll probably check Jessica Jones out at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, It's 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 a great, that first season is amazing, yeah, so definitely give it a word, I would say. How about you, Taylor?
2: I love Jessica Jones. I've, I've seen the entire show. The first season is spectacular. Um, David Tennant as Kilgrave is spectacular. I really like uh, street-level superheroes like this and all the ones in, in the um, Netflix shows. Uh, the character of Jessica Jones is really compelling. It's really dark. It's really gritty. Um, and. and and I'm not a guy who always says everything has to be dark and gritty, but when they do it right, it's good. Like uh, Frigga's um, mother said, the um, noir feel to it uh, was really excellent. Uh, you know, just jump ahead a little bit. But like, like I said, the first season, spectacular. Second season, not as good for me. Um, it was okay. It was It was not bad by any means, but not the same level. Uh, for me, but I think it actually went up a little bit in quality in the third season. In the third season, they, the the main uh, villain is a serial killer, and I thought that was a a pretty interesting uh, twist and in the way they they approached that. Uh, just an ordinary human, no superpowers, serial killer. But how do you how do you nail him? You know, um, so that was good. And the other part of the third season is where her her sister's story arc comes to its head. And that's a real big part, and it's really powerful, and I think that's really well done. I think that character uh, was really well developed by the end. Um, So I won't spoil anything, but uh, I I love the series overall.
0: Nice, nice. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, definitely something I want to finish here. Uh, Mr. Jeff, I think, wants to do too as well eventually, Uh, just like with the Daredevil and Luke Cage and Defenders and all that kind of stuff. We want to get it done eventually eventually. Uh, we plan on wanting to do reviews of those series eventually here on the MCU's Bloody Edge. So definitely look forward to that stuff in the future uh, as soon you know, as as we progress and go along. Uh, definitely something we will probably add extra shows to the uh, roster in the upcoming weeks for you guys too as well. Uh, but that is it for this show, guys. We want to thank you all for coming on. It was a great show. Really fun, enjoying talking about Thor Dark World. Love to talk about Jessica Jones, Miss Marvel. Uh, all the stuff uh, I want to thank all the guests uh, Taylor cam and Loki's mom for coming on and uh, just you know just to kind of finish it off of course if anybody has anything they like to plug and talk about uh, please do we'll give you a moment here in a second but of course you know if you get a chance people if you enjoy the MCU Bleeding Edge live stream definitely check out our website the MCU, the MCUs Bleeding Edge dot, uh, net or dot org sorry. Uh, definitely check that out. That awesome blog that Mr. Jack works on all the time. He makes it look great and awesome and it's got a lot of great information. Uh, definitely check out Podcast of Champions, that they're an amazing uh, YouTube channel, uh great crowd of people to talk with, all kinds of different things. If you don't even like talk about MCU, you can talk about all kinds of other things, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, you can also find them on Freeform or freeform.net, sorry. Uh, On there, too, as well, this awesome community where you can go on and talk about anything, like I said, uh, and talk to some great people from Grandmaster to Taylor himself to uh, several other people that are really great on there, too, as well. Uh, We want to thank Jeff Bowman for being in our commentary tonight and our awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Jeff, for watching and staying tuned. Uh, So uh, we'll just, you know, finish off here by letting you guys say anything else you'd like to say before we leave the show, starting with Loki's mom.
3: Um, well, I don't have anything personally to plug I I will plug um, Quentin Tarantino. He was on Stephen Colbert the other night. And I, I think everybody here would probably love Quentin. And he talks uh, in a segment about the fan experience. And, um, and he says a lot of important things. So if any of you guys can, you know, check it out on Peacock or on uh, YouTube or something like that, give it a go. And I think you'll like what he has to say. Thank you guys. Awesome.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, and we'll definitely be checking that out, most definitely. Uh, that's a great little tidbit. Love, Quentin, Jared, Awesome. he's awesome. Uh, how about you, Taylor? Is there anything you'd like to plug or uh, say before we uh, sign off? Uh, no, you
2: you plugged everything uh, for me there. <laughs> Podcast Champions, <laughs> Sakar.freeforums.net. Everyone is uh, welcome to come and join the discussions. And thanks you for
0: having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. We always appreciate anybody that comes on to the MCU's bleeding edge and is an awesome uh, person on our panel and talks about all the kind of things that we talk about. We appreciate you guys all. And I want to thank you once again, just for coming on and uh, uh, thank you everyone that watched our live stream and who who watches this live stream after it's not a live stream. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one guys Uh, next week. uh, Of course uh, we'll do one more infinity saga film. And then the following week is when we start Hawkeye. So keep that in mind, people. Hawkeye TV series will be starting. So that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, especially to see Jeremy Renner again, see Haley Steinfeld, and uh, talk about that and stuff. So uh appreciate you guys. You guys have a great night, and we'll see you in the next one.
3: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. No, no.